When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here. Welcome into Bases Love Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Joined by my favorite person in this whole wide world. <laughs> George, you can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. No Zach means it's going to be a good show. I'm joking. This episode, what, 166? But the second episode of 166, we, we actually recorded one last week, realized it wasn't, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think it was that great, and then I didn't get a chance to edit it, and by the time I did, it felt like it was like, meh, so we just scrapped it. So we're back for the same... 166, uh, part two. Yeah, <laughs> but a whole different topic, so it's even better. Um, we're going to continue with our positional stuff. We're going to talk about second base. We're going to look at the ADP since January 1st um, at second base. Uh, and in draft champions formats because that has the most drafts i was looking at ocs which are 12 teamers but there's only been like five drafts so we're not going to look at that adp yet so we're looking at we're going to focus on the top 30 we're going to look at our ranks we're going to look at the adp compare contrast mean you will talk about player debates some of the more polarizing players in position we're not going to touch on every single name that doesn't feel necessary but we are going to talk about some of the more popular buzzworthy names and then again some of the guys in those mid to later rankings that we disagree on maybe even against ADP because I know we are higher and lower on players. Blah, blah, blah. I'm rambling. But anyways, George, what's up, man? <laughs> what's up, man? Yeah. Um, yeah. Last week I was back from vacation, re- recorded, and yeah, it was just like kind of like whatever. We talked about our Battle of the Pods team, which I mean, dude, that draft was just insane. I, it just I talked ended. about it today and told uh, I told everybody on John uh, John L's pod that we absolutely hated our team, and then we started reviewing it. I'm like, well, I didn't, we didn't hate the early rounds. I think it got to point because uh, we got screwed on first base, and then our depth. We I, I blamed it on drunk George on like three of our picks because <laughs> <laughs> um, it got to a point where you realize you were, like our starting pitching depth is bad. We have so many really we have so many relief pitchers on our bench. It's like we drafted really well for the first half of that draft, and the second half it kind of just like fell apart. But a lot of it was the craziness of like ADP went out the window. We didn't get any of our guys to fall to us, and it was just it was yeah. Chaos. I think first base in particular like was cleared out by like pick two fifty. We kept thinking like, all right, you know, next turn we'll grab Bannon Bell, or next turn we'll grab Miguel Sano ahead of ADP as it is and they all got pushed up just like super high so we ended up with like spencer torkelson and (laughs) yoshi susugo (laughs) don't forget jerickson profar baby (laughs) jerickson profar i mean that that draft was just insane Uh, all right well we can we can move on from that (laughs) oh god it was so bad i'm just hoping not to you know what goal finish in the top half 15 teamer by the way all right so before we get started tonight a couple uh Whatever it's called. I'm thinking housewarming. Wrong thing. 
it's the whatever the thing is called where you're supposed to plug some stuff we're gonna plug some stuff housekeeping One, housekeeping close I, housewarming yeah it sounds way better all right housekeeping thank you you knew what i was going for um housekeeping let's see ratings and reviews greatly appreciated if you spotify has it now so um you log in you listen to an episode and it lets you rate us five stars is greatly appreciated if you have anything to say to us or anything at all please let us know we'll gladly uh t- we actually read the comments and try to build off of those and skplaybook.com we are still rolling got some different content we got a closure chart we're working on it's actually available on the site right now the names are in we're fixing to put in the rest of the information or most of the names are in i think i, I was scrolling through it myself george is george is mostly handling that of course we have the spring training chart and that, that assuming we have spring training that'll be up and running as well this year but we have a discord server for as little as $2.99 a month, $2.99 a month. That's a cup of coffee. You can join us in our Discord talk shop and we help you know with trades live. We just do live AMAs. We're gonna be doing a lot of that stuff as we pick things up and get going. So check us out there. There's an annual one, an annual option as well for a little bit of a discount. But like I said, at the very least, it's $2.99 a month. Um, I think that's everything for that. I'm gonna call it housewarming, even though it's housekeeping. Because <laughs> um, it's like it makes you just makes you happy. Housewarming, like everyone's welcome. Housewarming, Discord, housewarming. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I guess housewarming does sound better than house. It sounds more. Yeah, because housekeeping is like work. Yeah, like, housewarming is yeah. like, hey, welcome. Yeah, congratulations on on your house. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're, <laughs> we're building. We're, our Discord is our is our home. We're building our home. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And like, New see? website. Yeah, that's site, a, a which house yeah. housewarming me and you are not good at selling but we try all right let's get to what everyone's <laughs> listened to and that's actually uh this information if you made it this far thank you for sticking around um first off the board again this is according to nfbc adp draft champions formats uh second baseman trey turner we have no argument there i think you know what to expect um nothing really to talk about there Ozzy Albies at two, we both agree with Merrifield at three and Marcus Simi in the top four. And we actually have it ranked the same way. I wanted to discuss Ozzy Albies for a second because although I drafted him yeah. second, I'm kind of concerned. He had a he had a change in approach. So like the Babbitt this year, I'm actually have to pull that up. I meant to pull that up. Look at me, super unprepared. But I'm pretty sure the Babbitt this year was low, but there's a reason people might think, oh, he got unlucky. Yeah, it was really low, 278. He's posted 300 Babbitts each of the last two seasons. And the reason why I say I bring up the 278 Babbitt for Ozzy Albies is because he hit a career low 259 in the process as well. However, yeah. he did hit a career high in home runs and still career high in bases, 30 and 20. It took him all of 668 play appearances. So Ozzy Albies is a bit of a compiler, which we already knew, but he did alter his approach. And the Braves as a whole kind of, I think, pushed this. It's just a guess. I haven't read anything, but I did notice, like, I think Swanson had a similar approach change that was also career high pull rate career high um um it was pull and fly ball rate sorry and then eddie rosario came over in the trade and upped his pull and his pull rate and his fly ball rate in in the second half so there was a true narrative there to like possibly see hey braves are doing this with their players and albies concerns me because now if he's not giving you that batting average if it is closer to 260 that takes away some of the allure of him being a five category guy but Again, 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 200 earns in RBI for a guy who has shown to stay healthy consistently. And he is only, what, 25? So yeah. I, I'm not overly concerned, but I just wanted to bring that up that, hey, the batting average might not be what you expect because of the change in approach if he sustains that change into 2021. So do you have similar thoughts on Ozzy Albies? Yeah, I mean, while I can't really argue that he should or shouldn't be, like, I, I can't really argue his spot um, on the draft board, as far as being the second second baseman off the board, I mean, I haven't really found myself. I haven't found myself taking him at where he's going right now. And I, I think you know part of that is that approach that you mentioned, career high fly ball rate. Um, but it's also those struggles against righties and the on base percentage. You know, he doesn't walk a whole lot, and um, man, he's he's not very good against right handed pitching. I mean, he hit two thirty seven, two ninety five, four fifty four against righties for a 94 WRC plus last year. I think for me, he just, he might be the, as far as like batting average, like he might have the riskiest batting average of any hitter, like in the first two rounds. Um, And so, I mean, maybe that scares me off just a little bit. I would feel more comfortable if he was falling like closer to the back end of the second where I could take like, you know, if you can have like a Juan Soto and 
Aussie Albies, you know. Um, but like taking a guy who can realistically just repeat, you know, a 259 batting average in the second round. I mean, I, I understand that he's probably good for at least 25 homers and maybe, you know, I, I can see the, the steals taking a bit of a dip, um, but I think he's pretty safe for at least another 15 to 18 steals, um, which isn't, which is valuable. Yeah. But I think it's just that little bit of a batting average risk. If he continues with his profile and his struggles against righties, um, I think that maybe we're kind of hoping for that return to like that 295 to or 280 batting average that he has shown before. Um, I'm just not sure with his current profile that it's going to get. I was just curious because Albie's led off for a period of time last year because of the injury to Acuna. And he actually flourished in the three spot batting 296, had 14 of his 20 stolen bases there. So I was thinking maybe the stolen bases, the addition of them was because he let off because you know how Cunha, he has those weird splits where Cunha runs and when he leads off, but doesn't do much when he's not leading off. However, Albies didn't stop running while batting third. And while batting third, he had his he had a 122 good versus plus and an 860 OPS. I'm assuming that had a lot to do with probably hitting with players on. So Albie's batting third is probably ideal, which, but again, it didn't hinder it didn't hinder his production or his stolen base production. So my theory went out the window as soon as I looked this up because I just looked. I was like, oh, Albie's led off for like twenty or so games, and then I'm just because I did a quick look at the lineups because I have all the hot key buttons. I have I have issues and I have a stream deck where I key, I purposely logged every single lineup into a certain section of it. So I just at the flip of a button, I literally pull up any team's lineup. It's a weird thing i do whatever don't judge me my lineups are my, my thing man which by the way quick plug premium members anybody who likes my spring training chart i'm bringing one to the in to, for in season where it's going to have the daily lineups which again i know there's other lineup tools out there but the difference is, is all the daily notes are also coming with it so players running hot players running cold numbers all that stuff's going to be included into the note section so and that's going to be premium that's going to be only for the uh chat members the discord members or the pre- or anybody who is part of the premium membership so just thought i let that know let you know in case you do already follow the spring training stuff we're doing one in season as well but for the discord community only um back to this though um so whit merrifield i don't think we have any issues there Semyon, real quick i'll touch on the fact that i'm not concerned with Semyon's power production i, I looked at his spray chart accord compared to all of the al west spray char- uh, parks and his approach is so pull heavy and fly ball oriented that mm-hmm. the home run, the power is going to sustain because of his approach, assuming that Simeon sustains that approach. So I'm not too concerned about the power. Maybe so maybe it loses like three or four, but I could see Simeon running just as much, if not more, because the Rangers are one of the top running teams over the last few years. And that team's going to have to still put up uh, runs and manufacture runs. So I think the Rangers are going to allow Simeon to run. And he was really efficient last year too. So Simeon should continue the power production, should run just as much. I don't see why people are so... I guess the counting stats are worth being a little concerned about, but you can build around that. You should still get that power speed production out of Semyon, plus a, t- a, what, a top two lineup spot more than likely. So that's... Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really concerned. Do you have any concerns with Semyon this year? Not really, and I think we have started to see him, um, you know, fall a little bit to probably a more appropriate range, but I I, I definitely think, like, you know, he's pretty safe for, for 30 homers given his profile and He's always among the leaders in, in plate appearances, so you know you know he's he's gonna accumulate stats. I mean, yeah, hitting top you know two in that lineup. So yeah, I think you know I, I probably wouldn't take him in the third, but he fell like if he fell like into the fourth or maybe back into the third, I could see it. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too overly concerned. I think that's where he's. I mean, last few drafts I've been in, he's been falling to that like back third, early fourth, and I'm I love like I love that price, especially if you start hitter pitcher. I think he's a good. I think he's one of those last solid sources of like power speed that you get before the, that sure thing of a skill set falls off. That's Marcus Simeon we're talking about. So Marcus Simeon, fourth overall, second baseman, and that dual position eligibility helps. Which a lot of these guys, I didn't realize how much how many second basemen have dual position eligibility, but majority of them, almost like I'd say more than almost three quarters of them in the top thirty have a second position they're eligible at. So second base seems deep. But like even in the draft recently, I took Whit Merrifield. He ended up being my outfielder because I fell back on another second baseman. It's just the way it's working out this year that second base is a position littered with multi-position eligible guys. And it's just, huh. 
Like I didn't realize. I mean, I knew I realized it, but I didn't like it didn't click until I looked at it right now. I'm like, holy crap. Um, hobby buys at five. I I understand the concerns. There's gonna be a little bit of uh downside with the power going to the new park for hobby bias but i feel like he is who he is i know a new park is but last year when he got traded to the mets he actually picked up the production and did a lot better i don't think detroit's done signing pieces around Baez, so i'm not so scared about this is the first year i'm not fading Baez because that I, i've been burned by it because i'm always wrong because he always produces in spite of the underlying metrics like the plate discipline specifically um am i wrong to finally be saying i'm in on bias like i've had a few <laughs> shares already is this the year that i, I picked the year where he signs the mega contract and goes to the new park the worst year to do it but right um, <laughs> but should, should i but should we be fading him like i mean I, i'm kind of with you where it's like okay this guy's done it long enough now where i could finally be like okay this is just who he is he's just he's just gonna come with this kind of risk this kind of volatility but at the end of the year you're gonna get what he gives you and i mean at this year uh at age 29 i mean it, it's a profile that that you know we kind of know it's gonna fall off a cliff at some point um does that happen this year the year <laughs> yeah, like, we're finally in and he's like yeah, and like the worst park for him to go to, and but I easier mean, division, right? Like the pitching in theory should be an upgrade for him to hit against. And I'm saying in theory, I, I know, but not the best ballparks because you have Detroit, you have Coffin Stadium. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about the White Sox. I know the Indians are kind of like, oh, not oh, Guardians, excuse me, the Guardians <laughs> have, a, yeah, it's, it's a weird transition. Um, yeah, the Guardians and the the Twins, I, I think those are more neutral. I'm not sure. I think you pull, I think if you pull it in in uh cleveland it's beneficial to hitters uh regardless though it's bias is just i get it like this was not the year maybe i need to move him down a little bit but you're not like you're not much by the way these are still our ranks like we're pretty much in with consensus for now it's our next guy that we're both higher on the consensus because javi Baez, like again the the top five we just mentioned trey turner albies uh wit semian and Baez are both in our top six you have this next guy in your top five i have him sixth his adp is ninth brandon lau we're going to jump to him real quick. And why are you so high on Brandon Lau? Oh, yeah. I love Brandon Lau. Um, I mean, so we know he got off to a you know pretty bad start. But, dude, like second half, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, he hit 291, 368, uh, 591, 18 home runs. And everything that we have been so concerned about when it comes to Brandon Lau as far as um, versus lefties and the strikeouts. I mean, he cut the strikeout rate down to 21.1% in the second half uh, with a 10.4% walk rate. And he hit 296 slash 296, 337, 531 against lefties. And if you look back at 2020, 60 plate appearances against lefties, he hit 300 with six homers. I mean, I, I you know, I think he's, I'm not so sure he's at, such a risk to to be platooned and didn't he actually lead the rays in plate appearances last year i believe he did i know he led them in runs i think i looked up the stat today he think he had like 100 runs or just under he led them in runs though it was a weird i believe i believe yeah i think he also led them in in plate appearances it would surprise me but the rays are weird they platoon everybody but then like Lau, they they let they give him run when he improves versus lefties, which he did improve versus lefties on the stretch. He actually hit him very well. Did you see my article I happened to drop just today about him? Like no. all these. So I like I did this I did this new splits article. Like I just I have all these splits written down. I have like legitimately what maybe thirty or so players with their splits written on a piece of paper, and I I find splits fascinating. And his were. The, the WRC plus in the first half, 116 to 162, which somehow posting a 116 WRC plus with a 32% strikeout rate hitting 208, impressive because he had the power and speed and other production. You mentioned the strikeout rate cut down. The OPS was almost 150, was about more than 150 points higher in the second half. Uh, but here's the left-handed splits for uh, for Josh Lowe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not even in the majors. Brandon Lau. Um, on the year, he hit 198, 261, 401. But then, like in the second half, he hit 296, 337, 531 with a 140 WRC plus against left handed pitching. So he really picked it up against lefties in the second half. He did the, he did that weird thing like that in the 2020 season as well. So Brandon allows a guy that like seems to be running, runs kind of hot and cold against lefties. But the overall approach change in the second half, too more line drives, less ground balls, increases average launch angle. 
Um, he cut down on his swing strike rate and improved his contact rate across the board, including a quick math here says 5.1% increase in overall contact in the second half, including improving his bad luck, bad bad luck turned into like his typical league average, his typical career average Babbitt. There was a lot of changes for Brandon Lau in the second half. And I know you mentioned some of the stuff, so I'm just reiterating it that um, Brandon Lau really showed that improvement and growth. And it was more mirror. It was closely, it was close, more close to that 2020 production that we were all buying into. So I think there is a level of production for Brandon Lau that we haven't seen yet, but I think that, it's hard to bank on that. However, I think there's a floor, even if it's a little volatile, I think there's a floor there that Brandon Lau offers that many don't, and it comes with some speed. So that's why I'm also with you on being higher than consensus on them. And I probably need to bump them up above Javi Baez. I've been considering it. And now I'm, after after being scared of Baez and just talking up Lau, it makes it a little easier to make that move. But Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, in the second half, I mean, you know, he tra- did – trade off um hit for more contact the barrel rate was down to 11.6 percent 44 percent hard hit rate but that's still a very good barrel rate yeah. and and if you trade that if, if that's the trade-off for hitting for more contact i mean yeah you're looking at upside here you know uh, he's hit 269 before he's hit 270 before add 40 homers to that to that 269 i mean that's nice that's like a you know, we, we've seen like Bryce Harper hit that, right? Like if you imagine like a Bryce Harper at second base here, uh, upside here for with Brandon Lau. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love targeting Brandon Lau. And just like in second baseman in general, and maybe after we get through a few names, we, we can go through like our approach at least like uh, when it comes to second base. But this is range here is typically where I'm targeting my second baseman. Yeah. So I found myself uh, with a lot of Lau so far. <laughs> See, I don't have any, and I was actually aiming for him in this last draft. I just I'm in right now, and he got taken. Like someone jumped his ADP a little bit, not a lot. I think someone, or maybe he just didn't follow me where I was hoping he would, and it, it's it kind of sucked. I ended up getting. I, I remember I ended up jumping India's ADP a little bit because I wanted a little more speed. So yeah, um, but I I tend to see. I don't mind getting Simeon if but I haven't I haven't, I haven't landed on him. I actually landed on Whit Merrifield in a draft. Because he fell to that third early third, and it fit my team build. Well, um, yes, this tier, this is our tier three for us, and yeah, I like to get one of my second baseman usually here as well, because I think there's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed in almost all their bats, with um, with upside for all of them to be a tier two type of guy without the price tag of it. The only one I would say doesn't have that upside. There's two of them. I'd say Jorge Polanco. I think last year was the upside of, and you you could argue he could do it again, but. I have a hard time banking on it, mostly because of health, not because of skill. He's always shown to have the hit tool and the skill set to kind of produce. But Polanco's health isn't is always a question with the ankles. I think both ankles are actually bad. And India, I think he's more of the high floor type than he is the ceiling type. Those are only two. Maybe did you notice Altuve's change in approach? He also has now been pulling the ball more than ever and hit more fly balls than ever. So he's another guy. Altuve is a similar guy that he's giving up a little bit of that batting average. Like the floor, the batting average used to be what, like a 280, 294. Now yeah. we're looking at 270. I think he hit 270 something last year and he had like the home runs and all that. It's going to be the same because he has the hit tool to do it. He's selling out a little bit for power and the batting average isn't something you, you don't, you don't draft Jose Altuve anymore expecting 20 stolen bases. Still, and now, yeah. and now, so if you're losing stolen bases for, for Altuve and a little bit of batting average, it's tough to it's like he's still a four category guy, but that batting average can very well take a little bit more of a dip if he continues such a heavy pull heavy approach and maybe the league adjusts and shift them. And I don't know. He's such a good hitter, though. It's hard to really bet against him. But the batting average dip was there was a reason behind it. It wasn't bad luck for all two. Yeah. And mention. even even if he hits, you know, 275, I think it's still a solid oh, that's great all around profile does. here. Yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of still like, looking at, what, you know. Go ahead, sorry. Good counting stats. Yeah, that was just that was just something I noticed was Altuve. Like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. At 31 years old, he's learning new tricks, and he's about to be going to be 32 in the middle of the season. Uh, he hit a career. No, he tied his career high with 31. But that was the last time he hit 31 home runs. Altuve. That was 2019 with the juice ball. So this is like the first time he earned 31 home runs. Um, he hit 278 with a 280 BABIP, and he's a 329 BABIP guy. And that's why when people look at BABIP, they think, oh well, that should return. You know, that should. That should be fixed, but it, it won't. What saves him again is the great contact skills, the great plate discipline. I don't really have any distrust in Altuve, who he actually hit 278 last year. I don't have any distrust in him at all. It's just a matter of 
temper your expectations on the batting average. And stolen bases, obviously, stole five last year. So he's probably more of that type of guy than he is the ten, like upside for like upside for ten is still there, but I wouldn't bank on it by any means. Um, a guy that we both have way lower. He's going as the eighth. Oh, we should probably talk about. Him. We actually have two guys low, and they're both going in the same range. Jazz Chisholm, polarizing player. We need to talk about him for a little bit. And Tommy Edmond going sixth and eighth overall. We have Jazz. We both have you have him eighth. I have Jazz tenth. So I'm the low, low, low guy on him. And we both have Edmond at twelve. Um, I'll let you speak on Edmond here shortly. I just want to touch on Jazz real quick. I'm going to keep it yeah. simple, Jazz. I want to keep it very simple. I love the talent. I love the potential and everybody wants to cite the whole, like he started off great, got injured and it was never the same. But a lot of the people don't realize with jazz that Chisholm was a, he was so good against fastballs. Teams noticed that they stopped throwing him fastballs and he never posted an OPS over like seven something in any month after it wasn't like there was, it's just, it's just frustrating that it's just, there's so many, there's so much swing and miss. He was exploited. I do think Chisholm is such a good player like he's a very very hard working player i do think he's been making strides to be better however i just i have so many concerns with that swing and miss and he wasn't even chisholm wasn't even leading off to finish the year is there a chance he isn't bat at the top of the order i do believe the power speed is there but i also believe that there's a chance you're only getting two categories out of them i understand power speed carry values in a lot of these especially nfbc where you need power and speed but what if, if he bats, if he doesn't take that step forward that like everyone's hoping he does, then Chisholm has a volatile, he's such a volatile profile that he could just be a power speed guy and leave you with just power and speed. And I don't like taking such a chance at that point in the draft. That's a personal opinion. I'm rooting for him. I could be wrong. I'll be happy to be wrong, but I am purposely building to where I don't need to take on the chance of drafting Chaz Chisholm this year. I do understand the ceiling, but I do think people need to understand that there's a legitimate floor here where he can be more hurt, more harmful than helpful. Rant over. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I if can't. You're, I don't know. If if you're drafting Jazz, I mean, you obviously are like you should know that you need to kind of draft the batting average to carry him because you know it, it is a very risky profile for sure. But I mean, you're. I'm more in on Jazz. I mean, and and really this this whole tier here with Lau, Baez, Altuve, Chisholm, it's kind of goes back to like more of like team need, where like if I took if I took batting average early, if I took Tim Anderson, like if I started um, with like um, Soto and Anderson for example or something, and and I want to add twenty to twenty five steals with Jazz in the sixth round, I mean, you know, then I'm perfectly fine doing that. It, it it's one of those team need kind of things. But no, I, I do believe um in Jazz quite a bit. I mean, the power speed combo, I know the batting average is a bit of a risk, but I don't know. I mean it's just he's such a fun dude. He's one of those things that's like I intangibles can't be measured, right? Like you can't measure the intangibles, but he just seems like a guy that's just like he has that it's gonna be hard to bet against him <laughs> yes and he has the mentality to be a leader in the clubhouse that's why and james anderson and i i wish we could have pressed to play because um he joined in on one of these late night zoom calls or whatever that i was doing with fish the other night and we had a great discussion on this and he talked me into believing into him more like fading him i feel i feel a lot more dangerous fading him i'm just at this point i I feel I'm just I'm not being stubborn. I just I I truly believe in I'm really just I believe in my side of the argument that I gotta see it first and I'm okay missing out if he puts it all together. I'm building my teams to where if he breaks out fully, then I won't have to I won't be so mad I missed out because in fantasy, unless it's a Cunha like that was going in the year that he was like the tenth round pick that he was, that's the type of breakout these days that you um that you can't miss on, but jazz is going early enough. His ADP over since January is like 72.8. So about 73rd overall, you're building a, you're building a, you should be building a team that if he goes off, you shouldn't lose. You shouldn't lose because of it. It would help you win obviously, but you shouldn't lose because you didn't draft them. You know what I mean? Like you should be able to build a team well enough without needing them. It's kind of what I'm getting at. So assuming I build my teams appropriate, like I think I am missing out on jazz won't kill me, but it's going to suck. I, I don't like being wrong. I just like we talked about Javi Baez and his volatility and why and I, and Jazz has the same level of volatility, but there's this perceived upside because 
it's a young, flashy prospect, but I love jazz. I love the idea, the talent, the real life jazz chisel. Like he's so good for baseball. He wants to be a Cunha. He wants to compete against them. I love that competitive nature. You mentioned the intangibles are not measurable, but the the play discipline is, and the play discipline is so scary. And there's such a floor there. It has it's, it's literally like a Keston Hero play discipline. The difference is, is I don't think Jazz is gonna go that route. I'm just letting you know, like you can compare the two's play discipline. The year that uh, when before before last year, Hero entering 2021, and Jazz entering and Jazz entering 2022. Plate disciplines are actually similar, surprisingly. And that's what concerns me because we've seen it. But again, I think Jazz is a different breed than uh, Hero was. Uh, rant, oh, again, another rant. <laughs> I held on tight to this one, but it's just, it's, it scares me. And I, I understand. I, I play scared sometimes. Caveat. He's going to be one of the more interesting players to watch all season. That's oh, sure. and as a Marlins fan, I'm blacked out. So it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm blacked out on like MLB Network anyway. Uh, um, but yeah, it's Jazz is. Uh, you gotta it's get so a polarizing. <laughs> yeah. I also need to get uh I I need to, I'll draft him in shallower formats. Let me just say that. Like I think a lot of my rankings, a lot of my thought process is deeper formats where like if, if there's fab, if there's waiver wire, jazz will move up my ranks because at that point I'm willing I'm willing to take the risk on jazz in a shallower format where I can replace his production off the waiver wire. Does that make sense? So I think my yeah. rankings are a little skewed right now. That's why we talked about this, having rankings for 15-teamers and 12-teamers, because there are a handful of so players. so much based on team need and team context and roster or league Or league type, because in a 12-teamer, yeah. I'm taking a chance on Jazz over India, Polanco, and Altuve. But in a 15, give me those other three ahead of them because I know what I'm, I feel safer in what I'm getting in those other three. So that's why he's like Jazz, Danny Jansen, weird names put in the same conversation. Um, but those two guys that come to mind instantly that are like guys that shoot up or down my board. Or sorry, no, Kirk, uh, uh, Christian Kirk, not Danny Jansen, Christian Kirk. Jazz Kirk. What did I say? Christian Kirk. I sport. Well, I had I had Kirk Cousins in my head first, and I and I pivoted from Kirk Cousins to Kirk Christian Cousin Kirk. to Christian Kirk to <laughs> to finally the one you met, Alejandro Kirk. Dude. That's that's amazing. Yes, I don't understand. All right, so Alejandro Kirk. Wait, rewind. how'd you get from Jazz Chisholm to Kirk Cousins? Was <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it six degrees of Kevin Bacon or seven degrees, whatever that, that thing is? Seven degrees of uh Christian or, or whatever Kirk Cousins, whatever it is, <laughs> that you know, talking about the game. People, someone that someone's yelling at us in the in their in their headphones because we don't know the damn game, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, uh, so Jazz and I almost called him Kirk Cousins again, Alejandro Kirk. You know what? Kirk Cousins is a catcher for the Blue Jays. I don't care what anyone says. You can't tell me otherwise. So <laughs> Captain Kirk and Jazz Chisholm, those are guys that I'm taking chances on in shallower leagues where replacement value is better off the waiver wire where they can be easily like the production can be easily replaced if they don't produce as expected or anticipated. So that's why I always put the caveat that my ranks are kind of skewed towards 15s, but these there's a few names that wait, league type matters, like shallower formats or fab matters. Like I might take Jazz Chisholm and TGFBI because I can play the waiver wire. I trusted my knowledge in fab to make it happen. So anyway, um <laughs> gosh. Captain Kirk, Christian Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Alejandro Kirk. And and we're and this yeah. is second base preview, not catcher. So even better. Uh, okay, so Tommy. The Edmund. last guy. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the last guy we have, we both have in this tier is Cattell Marte. Um, and I think we both yeah, we both kind of have the same the same grouping here in this tier. And this is where I want to have my second baseman by typically, because I feel like there's a big fall off. Um following Cattell Marte here as we get into like you know after pick 100 yeah. um and Cattell so Marte this is, is the 11th he is the mm-hmm. 11th I just said catcher he is the 11th second baseman per ADP as well so we have him ranked along with ADP how how did we do that oh because we both have India over him okay because India is the guy going after him in ADP that we put above okay because we put him above Tommy Edmond who's going way earlier he's going eighth well, not way earlier in terms of ADP, but just wait, he's going earlier in terms of rankings, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of he's, and he's actually in the grouping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy Edmund, as far as drafts go, Edmund's in that grouping. I think we we talked about Edmund like a few episodes ago about guys that were fading or um like in the top hundred and. Yeah, we, we kind of we discussed like you know the plate discipline only a five point five percent walk rate. Um, 
you know, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. I, I just, I'm just not sure he keeps that leadoff spot, you know, just to kind of reiterate our concerns here. Um, he's just not the kind of profile that I want to be going after where, um, at the range that he's going right now. You know, I'm not sure that there's very much, if any more, uh, power upside here. Um, so, I I know we, we kind of discussed the possibility of someone like, you know, um, Dylan Carlson or Harrison Bader maybe be, being better fits uh, for the leadoff spot, at least especially versus right-handed um, pitching, because uh, that's kind of where Edmund gets uh, most of his power from um, versus lefties. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? I want to say I've heard it, but I can't say I've read it, so I don't want to say it's happening for sure. Edmund might be giving up switch hitting. I think that's been a rumor. I've heard floated out there. I got to see it first or maybe find an actual, I don't want to put out this false information. Oh, he's definitely doing it. I've, mm-hmm. I just feel like I've heard that. I'm not, I'm not making that up. I don't know where I've heard it. Could have been something on TikTok for all I know. <laughs> I don't, I really have no idea. So I don't want to say it's for sure, but it's something to watch for. Maybe he does like, maybe he pulls a Cedric Mullins. Sticks yeah, to the side of the he player. had a 665 OPS versus righties for Ugh. an 84 WRC plus. And a you, 794 OPS versus lefties. So, I mean, yeah, much better versus lefties. Yeah. Pull, uh, pull up his 2019 when he first came up, I think it was, when he had a good year. I think 2020 was kind of a letdown. Can you see if the splits were just as bad that first year as rookie year? Um, yeah. So versus left, uh, his rookie year, he had a 964 OPS versus lefties um, and an 810 OPS versus righties. And I remember uh, seeing that. I remember seeing that his. I remember seeing that he was better as rookie year all around. And I'm wondering yeah, what changed. It was, so did they? Did pitchers adapt, or did he change his approach and maybe it screwed him? So I'm wondering, can he revert back to that whatever he did his rookie year to be the guy that had us excited entering 2020 and 2021 and kind of come up short? I, that's why I, I I do have. I'm not changing my ranking of him, but I have come around on the idea of maybe he can adapt. And Edmund can turn into what we, what he was, which isn't yeah. flashy, but at least would be good enough to sustain the, bat, the stolen bases and the the on base, get back to on base guy and be a better batting average guy. And just, I mean, still somebody. It's still, I think there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, candies and nuts t- deals. You know what I mean? Or yeah. it were if ifs, if ifs and buts or candies and nuts, whatever that saying is. I don't know. I'm full of yeah. weird stuff. You got that on me. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say 2019, I mean, it was over 349 plate appearances. So, it, you know, um, yeah, it was a small sample. I I, I remember that much. Yeah, just, I'm just I'm just wondering, because he also showed Edmund also showed that he was this type of like a high, like a solid plate discipline contact guy in the minors, too. It was one of those guys that came up and it was you knew the hit tools there, but that was about like, you weren't sure what was going to carry the speed was there. And so I, I don't want to count him out completely, but we are obviously uh, w- how we rank him. It's unlikely we're going to draft him. So it's not that I, I can't say I'm, he's not a guy I'm crossing off my boards, but there's no chance I'm getting him because of where he ta- he's taken compared to where I, I rank him. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I'm trying to be optimistic. Cause I, again, I saw there was like a glimmer of hope for a reason, at least at one point. So it's hard, like one bad season or one one bad, like, I don't know. I feel like there's some, there could be something there. Or maybe he was figured out. Um, This tier, though, so you mentioned, we we actually, we dropped Edmund from tier three to tier four. We both did. And it kind of starts our own tier. And our tiers are the same here. And it's kind of this, all the same guys. Jake Cronenworth, uh, DJ LeMahieu. I have Ty France a little lower than you, but same idea. But you have, okay, so you have Chris Taylor in this tier. I don't. I have Luis Urias, and you don't. Um, did Chris Taylor, I guess, do, I keep doing um tonight. That's weird. Do you, did Chris Taylor do something, I guess, enough to prove to you that he's worth going there? I have him a little lower, but I guess I kind of get it. Cause I know I found myself intrigued looking into him this year. Yeah. I think he probably belongs in that next year, actually. Cause I do think he's being a bit, um, overvalued at, at this point. He's going like around pick 135. And, um, yeah, I mean, Going into his age 32 season, uh, he'll be 32 in August, but um, he, uh, he's maintained that super high BABIP now, like basically since 2017. But you got to wonder, I mean, it, his profile is so dependent on that BABIP because of that high strikeout rate, uh, 28.7% strikeout rate last year. Part of it is because, you know, he's such a good line drive hitter, but you just got to wonder how much longer he can sustain that. I mean, he did hit 254 last year. Um, so 
Yeah, I think I'm a little lower. And then especially, you know, if as long as Mookie Betts and Trey Turner are healthy, Taylor's probably hitting, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth in that lineup. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up being a little bit lower on Taylor, and I probably won't have much of him where he's going right now. He hit the second most home runs of his career last year with 20 home runs. Taylor did. And stole the second most bases of his career with 13. The the part about the stolen bases that's encouraging is that he was 13 of 14. So efficiency was there. So maybe the stolen bases will return, which is what keeps me somewhat intrigued with him. But the high strikeout rates scare me, even though he sustains a high BABIP. Chris Taylor is a 261 career hitter. And if the stolen bases don't return, then he is a more expensive Enrique Hernandez. Yeah, that's a good comp because I was kind of making <laughs> the same comp. <laughs> I mean, they Except, played on the same team at one point too, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. Except, I mean, I think I think Hernandez, you know, he's gonna lead off there at least starting starting the year. So yeah, well, everyone was like, no one believed me. Like that was again going back to the lineup chart. That was one of those things. Like there was a couple. Like Victor Robles was a bust from the lineup chart. He was like, you know, oh, he's leading off. They seem to really have faith in him. And then, like, the last week, they're like, ah, JK, watch this. And they start putting him ninth for no reason. And then quotes changed. But uh, Enrique Hernandez, Cora loves him. Cora went to bat for him, said he'd be our leadoff guy. He flourishes in that position, blah, blah, blah. He earned it. He stuck with it. Um, Mullins was another one that I think was getting kind of obvious. But it seems like his ADP never went up, even though he was clearly going to be the leadoff guy with a power speed profile. So I'm hoping to find this year's. Enrique Hernandez type of thing like people just don't believe it and you just made the comment like well he'll lead off for a little bit I I think he has a longer leash than many of us realize because Cora really does believe in him and will let him work through it but the guy I'm surprised you have lower in the next tier it's like I'm just high maybe I'm just higher on Luis Sirius but I want to move Luis Sirius even higher I just know I can't consciously do so but yeah, man, I love I, Luis Urias. I know we're both big fans of Urias. I just got him in back-to-back drafts. We went into the last draft in the Battle of the Pods getting them together. Yeah. Like, there was a lot, a lot of changes to his profile. I got to find it. There was so much. He changed his... The book um, on him was, you know, too many ground balls. I mean, he would obliterate the minor leagues and then come up and just, you know, hit too many ground balls. He couldn't be sustained in the majors. But, I mean, last year... Drop that ground, drop that ground ball rate down to uh, 41%. Uh, you know, strikeout rate dipped too to 20%. He's always kind of had good discipline. You know, 11% walk rate last year. I, I love it. I, I, I mean, short second, third, and short eligibility too. I mean, he's eligible everywhere. Um, he's so Jake Cronenworth, <laughs> but plays for the Brewers. That's why it's like I put him in this. I put them in the same conversation. I think Cronenworth. And I think we had this little discussion. I think Urias has a little more power potential because of the yeah. ball, the home ballpark, and then he gets to play, you know, at um, Great American Small Park and other favorable venues like that. And then, but the batting average might be a little more of an issue because I think Cronenworth's batting average upside is a little more. So I think there's giving. Yeah, Cronenworth makes more more contact. But, but they are a very similar player to one another, and then the eligibility kind of keeps. That's yeah. why Cronenworth does stay ahead of them a little bit. But Urias also made like a batting stance change, which I think helped him probably make, you know, probably helped in some adjustments because stuff like that, it's hard to quantify exactly how it helps. But Urias did also, to add on what you said, a career high launch angle, 14.1 degrees, which helped lead to that career high fly ball rate. And he paired that with a pull rate, a career high 46.6% pull rate. So he was, so Urias is another guy who took that hit tool he has and turned it into a, he sold out a little bit for power, but he, he's able to he's able to take advantage of how good he's able to hit at putting making contact with the ball he also set career high marks and hard hit rate barrel rate and max exit below and average exit below which is stuff which all makes sense because if you're hitting the ball like never before in the air like never before all the other stuff's gonna be like never before so there's a lot there and I, the, the thing is, is i'm buying it because obviously they've been doing great things with their hitters there in milwaukee hit uh urias adamas roddy telez had a little bit of a bounce back last year people might not realize they have something going that Tyrone Taylor is a no name, like, like later career breakout. He's like 27, 28. He kind of came out of nowhere for them. And he, he shows to have promise. Colton Wong had one of his better years last year, which we're about to talk about here shortly. So I'm just, I buy into this team with how they're making their, how they're getting their hitters to produce as well. Yeah. The only thing I would say about Urias is no, I just... no, stop it. Stop it. You're not allowed to speak negatively or <laughs> ill of my guy. No. I just want to know that. that he's going to be in the lineup every day, that his spot is safe. How dare um, you question that? I mean, it should be, right? I mean, he's a good defender. Um, 
I just don't see anybody else who would take it, honestly. I'll play it right now. My only, like, can Mike Brousseau uh, take some at-bats against lefties um, away from him? Like, Wouldn't that be more likely to be a platoon with um, at Rowdy first at first? Base? I mean, yeah, that's a good point. And I think they actually have him. <laughs> that's funny. I just pulled up the roster resource. I think they actually have him plugged in as a platoon at first base with Rowdy. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So Urias is uh, good to <laughs> Don't go. you take away my – don't you do that to me. Yeah. Don't you do it. <laughs> I'm speaking about um, I'm, I'm all, I bought a Brewers hat. I'm thinking about buying a Brewers CBK jersey or jersey at least. I think that's my team this year. Brewers um, are your team this year? <laughs> I think so. Like besides the Marlins, like every year I try to adopt a team. It was the Mariner, Mariners in 2020. Last yeah, year, I I'm trying to remember. I, I usually what I do is I find a team with a bunch of players I like on them for fantasy, and I'm like, that's my team. And Urias, I like Adamas. And the next guy I want to talk about is Colton Wong. Where is he going? He is the 21st second baseman off the board. The 21st second baseman, I have him high. I'm the high guy on him at 17, and you have him 21st. 21st. You're wrong. Yeah, and I'll tell I, you why. But go ahead. I you am. Start. I'm gonna let no. I'm gonna let you go ahead and and spew your love for Colton Wong. But I'm just gonna say like I. I I wasn't really a believer until until you made me look into him a bit more. But go ahead. I feel like that's the problem. Everyone thinks they know Colton Wong, except for he just had a heck of a season. He only played 116 games because of health issues, which health isn't usually. A, I guess he's he's not always the healthiest, but he did just come off back to back seasons being relatively healthy most of the year. He had 14 home runs, 12 stolen bases, while still sustaining that like elite strikeout rate, only 16.9% strikeout rate for Colton Wong. Hitting 272. OBP is good enough. It was only 335, but he is, you know, that's kind of he, last two years before that was 350, 361. So there's room for some improvement there. But regardless, the hit tool will get him on base pl- enough. He's leading off at the very least to lead off against righties, but they don't seem to have any way of platooning him there. So regardless, even if he is a strong side platoon against righties, he should play every day because the defense will keep him there. Mm-hmm. And he, again, th- we're talking double digit stolen bases, double digit home runs in just in just 116 games leading off in that ballpark he has good contact skills he actually upped his barrel rate it wasn't great but upped it to 5.5 percent career high hard hit rate last year he he seems to just kind of make it happen like he's not flashy he's not sexy but colton wong has skills that are just intriguing and he actually increased another guy who increased his fly ball and pull ball rate maybe it's another thing that they're doing in um in milwaukee so we're yeah, seeing you these know, changes. I don't know. I'm in. I'm in. I think that I think that we really underestimate the the shift in ballparks from St. Louis to Milwaukee. I mean, I <sighs> I when when Milwaukee signed Colton Wong, I mean, I loved it. I thought, oh man, the the upside here change, just in the ballpark change is going to be incredible. And I think the fact that at the end of the year he kind of just ended up with the exact numbers that we kind of would have expected from a Colton Wong season, 14 homers, 12 stolen bases, 272 batting average. But I, I it's, I mean, 492 plate appearances. Yeah. No, so that's I, the thing. I, I think he usually right, compiles. I think it's being, yeah. I think it's a little overlooked and, and uh, yeah, I definitely think that that park change is being underestimated a bit because I mean, hitters can overachieve um, in that ballpark there in Milwaukee. So yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm gonna have to move Colin Wong up up a bit, and and I think I mean just extrapolate what he did last year: 14 homers, 12 steals, and only 492 plate appearances. I mean, as long as he stays healthy, um, I think 15, 15 is fair. 15, I mean, yeah, that, I I think so. I mean, um, assuming they let him run again, and he wasn't he wasn't the most efficient, but that didn't stop them from letting him run, so he ran. And no, 12 well, for 17 is just fine too. Yeah, yeah, he just wasn't like I look at like I try. I, I'm I'm a stickler. I want like super efficient. Like Chris Taylor's thirteen for fourteen. I want that. But um, no, I get it. Yeah, he's he's fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But the fourteen home runs and the change in approach in terms of pulling the ball more and hitting more balls in the air, like driving all that, putting all that together, fifteen fifteen is realistic. Even fifteen ten, you're getting well now. His ADP's actually gone up. You were getting it closer to pick two hundred, but you're still getting a guy with double digits stolen bases with the potential. I doubt he gets there. But the potential for 20 home runs, that's why I say 15. I think 15 is fair because 15 would still be a career high. But we saw him put up 14 in, like you said, the 116 games, 492 play appearances. Colton Wong has a chance to have a career year in his age 31 season, given the ballpark and the overall changes while sustaining an elite Z contact. We're talking a 90% Z contact rate. It's amazing. The dude can do this. Like I, I think he could put it together and have himself 
that one year that's like, wow, he put up 15-15 one year? Like Elvis Andrews type of thing. You know, when Elvis Andrews kind of had that year where he's like, he was always a 10-10 guy, and they had like mm-hmm. the 30-30 year or the 20-20 year, whatever it was, it was crazy. I don't think Wong has that type of breakout potential, but I think it's going to be one of those like, oh, no one saw this coming, when really the writing was on the wall. Wong, everyone should have saw Wong coming. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> anyway, um, Colton Wong, yeah, he's just a my guy. He's a... He's a my guy. I don't have nearly enough. I think I only have him on two teams, maybe, which is stupid because he's a guy. Every draft I go in wanting this draft, he got jumped. I was going to take him and he got jumped in ADP. It actually pissed me off because I was like, I, I, I was going to take him. Again, when I say someone, when someone gets jumped in ADP in drafts, I don't know about you, but I'm referring to the fact that someone jumped me when I'm willing to take them ahead of ADP as it is, too. So my ADP is getting jumped, which aggravates me because I'm taking a guy 20, 30 picks ahead of ADP to try to secure. That's a, that's a, that's a whole round and a half, usually. Sometimes two rounds, depending on the draft, the format. And if I'm getting jumped in ADP, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, what the heck? <laughs> like, I was willing to do that. Like, like, heck, Fish. Fish got mad at me. I drafted Iglesias. I set the new min pick in NFBC on him. Fish was going to – he got mad at me because he was about to set the new min pick on him. <laughs> the same exact draft. And I that's, that's the type of drafts that you have – that's the type of stuff, type of leagues we're playing in. So, yeah, I just wanted to rant about Colton Wong and how I need to uh, – yeah, and how I I'm, I try to find ways to move him up, but I can't consciously take him over Ty France or Luis Urias, although the argument can be made for either because – I guess I can almost move Wong up a tier. Honestly, I just don't want to yeah. be too. I don't want to be too bullish, but I'm pretty bullish. Um, yeah. Is there uh, anyone else here? I mean, Gene Segura. I mean, if you basically eliminate, you know, 2020, um, the short season. I mean, his last. I mean, he's just been consistent as heck. I mean, 290. Um, it last year, 2019, 280. The year before, 304, 300. I mean. He's basically just been super consistent, lock for, you know, double digit homers. Um, and yeah, I mean, stole nine bases, just kind of solid all around, right? Yeah, just kind of boring. It's just, he had this weird profile where he kind of sold up for power last year in the second half. So it kind of sank Segura's batting average a little bit. But overall, he's just kind of like a guy I tend to fall back on, just like, okay. Hang out. You're going to go there. Jonathan Scope, same thing. We talked about, I don't know if we're talking about at first base at all, but a guy that's kind of like, you know what you're getting, and he's safe, solid, dependable. He's going to have a better lineup around him. Um, Max Muncy, he's low for both of us because we don't know if or when he's playing. Yeah. Do you have Toro? You're low on Toro. Uh, not really that much lower on Toro. Let's look at the ADP. We can talk about a couple last guys here. Um, call it a night. Come up on an hour. Do you, you have Gavin Lux a little higher than I do? I have him. Uh, I wasn't sure if he got snubbed. Do you believe he'll just put it all together finally? Because those splits scare me. Playing time potential <sighs> yeah. concerns scare me. Like, I had a hard time. I fit him in my top 30 because it gets ugly at the very end. But I'm not. You have him ahead of guys like Scope and Toro and even Jimenez, who I trust for playing time and production more at this point. I don't know. I, I Maybe I've given up too early on what, what, who was a former top prospect. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still there for Lex. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the strikeout rate's not egregious. Um, I, I do see the splits. Um, but, no, I mean, I think the potential's still there. But, no, I could, this, this whole range here is just, it's tough. This is why I like to get those early second basemen. Um but yeah. yeah, Lux, Scope, I have Muncy here. Uh, Andres Jimenez, I, I should probably move up a, a little bit because, I mean, looking at that Guardians team, I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be playing, right? And, he, I mean, I think if he plays a full season, he's got that, you know, 30 stolen base potential. Yeah, but it's just... <laughs> uh, I, I guess. Uh, I guess. <laughs> it, it's not um, really someone I'd love to take a chance on, but um like I have I have a share or two of, of him in is just because I feel like he should get the first crack at the uh I don't know why second I was base thinking, job. I don't know why I was thinking Gavin Lux there. Jimenez I think has that upside. For some reason I had him Lux in my head. I just I, I like Jimenez. I think he you know he actually fit people don't realize he finished playing, you know, full time and he didn't mm-hmm. post the best in terms of like WRC plus was still under low average. But Jimenez posted, I think, seven for seven for stolen bases in the second half, a total of like eleven for eleven or thirteen for thirteen. He was hundred percent successful on the base yeah. last year, which is big because I think that means you know they're gonna give him the green light. So I think he gets those stolen bases back. I I do think that there is some depth coming up from the minors that could be concerned if Jimenez doesn't get it going. But they went out and traded for him, and he was supposed to be like the bigger piece or the biggest piece in that trade. 
and he should get a leash to show that he has something or not, you know? So I don't know much, but I don't know if we should, I, I, what can we expect? I'm trying to think like, that's why I have him ahead of Lux though. Cause I think at the very least, you know, he's going to produce and get the playing time. I know the ceiling's not there, but I feel like there's a higher floor. I don't know. I like Jimenez though. Like I'm good with, I like taking him as like a, a bench bat or like a MI option with speed upside, but that's about it. Like you have yeah. David Fletcher. I have Garrett Hampson. And honestly, I threw Garrett Hampson on there because even though, even if he doesn't play every day, speed strictly because of speed. <laughs> like yeah. he stole, yeah, I, think I, he, I think he stole like 17 bases last year and wasn't even a full-time player. Yeah. Yeah. I months. have a, uh, I put David Fletcher there as my last one rounding out the rankings. And I mean, I, I like Fletcher. He's going at three pick three thirty seven. He's kind of one of the last guys that um, you can kind of bank for 600 plate appearances. And I don't see any read. Like I don't really see a whole lot different between David Fletcher and Nicky Lopez, who was going like you Just know, 150 speed, picks. I mean, I think Lopez has definitely been slipping like, like over the last month, but I didn't really see a whole lot different between like Fletcher and Nicky Lopez. I think Fletcher's probably actually even safer as far as like the playing time. I think last year you see like uh, Fletcher really like kind of struggled down the stretch there at the end. But um, yeah, I think, you know, a handful of he homers. Is what he is. <laughs> he is, yeah, I mean, he's going to still probably, uh, if, he, if he keeps running, I mean, he attempted 18 steals, 15 for 18 last year. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see. I think he rebounds in the batting average a bit, and uh, maybe he can get back up to the 15 steals. So, I mean, I, I, I like him there just for playing time, uh, second and short eligible. If he just uh, basically injury replacement, and you're hoping for you know batting average and steals. My favorite guy that doesn't crack my top 30, but is really close, is Tony Kemp. I think Tony Kemp is being really slept on. Still going. He is creeping up draft boards, but he's at 381 right now. So in shallower formats, he's nobody. But he he stole like I think he had nine and nine home runs and stolen bases. Hit like two seventy last year. Off the top of my head, two sixty five maybe. Two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. I knew it was really good. And he has elite. I use the word elite a lot, but I, I usually I usually hold on to elite for like sub sub seventeen percent strikeout rates. And the dude walked when they struck out over like. Mm-hmm. Like four hundred something play appearances or something crazy. So the dude has like truly elite plate discipline, and we're talking about also a really good contact skill. Uh, again, another guy with a Z contact, which is contact in the zone over ninety percent while not chasing. So he's selective and makes contact on when he swings on pitches that he swings on. So you have Tony Camp there, and the the appeal there is the fact that their speed, a little bit of power, like he's not a zero there. And he should be leading off for the athletics. Mm-hmm. So playing time is there. So you have playing time, a little bit of late speed, power, and batting. Like you're getting all the categories that are hard to fill throughout the draft late. Like You don't find a lot of guys that offer a little bit of power and speed combos late like this. And he offers it along with multi-positional eligibility. So he got jumped up in this draft too. Another guy that I jump, like he has 380 ADP. I'll take him around like 310. Usually I really will. And he didn't make it to me at like 303. So it was like it was frustrating because that's that's what I get that's what I get for putting I put my information out there I'm I'm a, I'm an open book and I I know that it hurts me more than it helps me but it is what it is I do it for you I do it for you guys all for you guys <laughs> no but um I think that's gonna do it you have anything you want to add buddy no I think uh, that's just about gonna wrap it up I was hoping to get on the clock here to make a live pick <laughs> um uh here but um i'm in this four hour dc and there's always that one guy that tends the one person that uh has got a timeout in the first round and uh yeah i'm I'm about to set i'm about to set the min pick on josh Hader. nice (laughs) and people and listen one last caveat if you didn't shut us off when we said are you done min pick on closer might be our brand this year on the basis load pod but it's also the it's all of, like you're seeing these early draft boards. If you're reintroduced, if you're catching up on podcasts as you get into baseball mode because football is ending, just know early closer is because of the formats we're playing in. In your home league, in 12 teamers, you don't need to take early closers. There's gonna be plenty to go around. Do not overreact in shallower formats. These leagues we're playing in, there are no waiver wires, there are no trades. Your team is is your team is what it is. You draft 50 rounds of players. And that is that. So we so so saves get pushed up. So when you hear us make crazy moves like this, just know it's the format making these crazy moves for us, <laughs> not not us wanting to do this. We're doing it because of team build, team construction, and all that. 
So just I just want to make that very clear. And we will emphasize that as we continue on, because people <laughs> see when I post my draft board to Twitter, people are like, I can't get behind the Glaciers in the second round. You think that was easy for me to do? There's a reason why no one else has done it before me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a reason why I, I set the new min pick on them. Um, yeah, it wasn't easy, but it, it worked. It just worked out for this specific team because then wit fell to the third. So I was like, sweet. It's almost like flip-flopping picks. Like if I took Iglesias in the third, people wouldn't be saying anything. All I did was, and, and if I took Witt in the second, you know? So right. other, when stuff like that happens, other players get pushed down. And it's part of the strategy too. I knew there was like five players I wanted that, that gave me the same skill set. So I took my closer knowing I wanted that one and then took the best of the remaining player that players that fell to me and Witt was the guy. So yeah, that's it. A little draft strategy to finish the pod. Uh, for all for those listening still, thank you guys so much, guys and gals. We appreciate you so much. Please, a five-star rating review on your way out is greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out skplaybook.com. New articles are out. Uh, Ryan Venasio just wrote us a new article for us, too. I just dropped one today. George dropped one like a week ago. We got articles coming out. We have the charts. We have the Discord. Check that out. $2.99 a month. Um, appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin for myself. George is at Roto underscore Nino. And we'll be back. Maybe even it's early in the week. Maybe we'll squeeze in a second pod this week. Who knows? But at the very least, we'll get one out next week for sure. And we'll talk to you soon.